This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 527 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by FeedXL, online nutrition software. Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is from Linda Houck, owner of Tapestry Equine Services. In 1983, Linda was a member of the Junior Ontario three-day event team, and in 1984, she achieved her A-level in Pony Club. She also has a BSc from the University of Guelph with a major in wildlife biology. Linda is also the creator of the Spursuader, an innovative spur which, by way of its unique design, elicits a better response than the traditional sharp-edged spur. It is available in English and Western styles. Today's tip is about what a technical delegate does and doesn't do. But first, a word from today's sponsor, FeedXL. Is your horse's diet balanced? Find out with FeedXL. FeedXL does all the smart stuff that it takes to formulate and balance a horse's diet. It takes all of the science and math that a doctor of equine nutrition learns, makes it all super easy and fun for you to use. Just plug in a few simple details to see if your horse is having his nutritional requirements met. FeedXL is like having your own personal equine nutritionist stuffed in your back pocket. And FeedXL is so good that it's used by leading equine nutritionists to formulate balanced diets for their clients. Using the details about your horse and what you feed him, FeedXL will do some serious math to calculate if your horse's nutritional requirements are being met. See the results of this math displayed in numerous ways, including easy-to-read graphs that highlight excesses and deficiencies in his diet. Learn more about equine nutrition and how to feed your horse for ultimate performance by visiting the FeedXL Learning Center and the FeedXL Member Forums. The newly redesigned website is super easy to navigate, and it's just bursting with information. Go to FeedXL.com today, because nutrition makes a difference. Now, enjoy today's tip. Welcome back, Linda Houck, eventer, race trainer, creative horsewoman. What have you got on the plate for us today on Horse Tip Daily? Jen, I thought we would talk about the role of the technical delegate at horse trials and events. <gasps> Ooh, that's the person who hides inside the trailer and has a little devil horns coming out the back of their head. Well, you know, some people <laughs> do, do think that we are the enemy, but in actual fact, you know, we're part of the team. We really want to, uh, we work really hard with the organizer, the secretary, the course designer, the medical personnel. Um, it's, a, it's very much a team effort, and uh, we really like to portray it that way, and we want to be approachable to, to all the competitors. So, yeah. Okay, so for our listeners who are not eventing riders, fans, or parents, in a three-phase event or a three-day event or a combined training event, all the same sport that goes under various and sundry monikers, we have judges who judge the actual competitors in their dressage or in their stadium jumping, but then we have a separate person or group of people, you'll have to clear that up for me, that are technical delegates. So what is the literal job of a technical delegate? Okay. 
the technical delegate, we have to approve all the technical and the administrative arrangements for the events. So that means we have to improve, we have to approve the timetable for the event, make sure that there's enough time for competitors to get from dressage to the cross country to the show jumping. We have to make sure that judges are allotted enough time uh, to have a break. They can judge so many rides, and they've got to have, you know, a break. Um, mm-hmm. We have to make sure that there's enough jump judges uh, on flight. We do a jump judge briefing on the day of. We also have to inspect all the arenas and the courses for the actual show. So that means all the warm-up areas for the dressage, the show jumping, the cross. We also have to inspect all the types and dimensions of the obstacles, particularly for the cross-country and make sure that they're suitable for all the divisions of the competition. Ah, uh, so you, go, you guys are really making sure that the judges who create the scores for the competition so that the facilities and what they're going to do is all within the rules and the parameters so that by the time we get to the point of your score is 62, they got that score by way of doing everything right. Yeah, absolutely. For example, you know, this past weekend I was uh, the technical delegate for an event here in Ontario. I actually go up the night before, if, in this case, this is a, an event I'm familiar with, or if I'm unfamiliar with an event, I'll go up to a week beforehand and I'll inspect the entire facility so that I get an understanding of the layout of the event. I'll get an understanding for the cross-country course. We need to go around and measure every single fence because in the rule book, there are specifications for the height, the width, and the design of the fences for each level. Ooh, we have to make ooh, sure ooh, ooh, that ooh, they me, all me, comply me. with those rules. Me, me, me. This is a question I, I always wa- often wonder about, and I'm sure I answered it way back in my history somewhere when I was back competing. But when you measure a jump on a cross-country course, yeah. do you measure its height from the base of the fence vertically or from the takeoff spot where the horse would take off? No, good, great question. So most of your fences you would measure from where the average horse would take off and where over that jump they would, they would present their horse. So there's a, t- there's a height. There's a mm-hmm. top width for some of them. So your, your oxers, your tables, they all have a top width, and that has to fit in the, the specifications. There's also a base width. So, the, so the, if there's a jump that is on a slope, up mm-hmm. or down, the the height of the fence is measured from the average spot a um, that the course designer d- intended the person to jump the jump at about this point from this distance away because it's that height because there's a little formula that we use for those non-jumpers out there. So if it's on the way up a hill, if the fence is three foot six inches at its very base, let's just say for the purposes of argument here that it's a vertical at the base is three foot six, but it's on an uphill slope, the takeoff point might be 6, 8, 10 inches lower than that base point. So that 3-foot, 6-inch fence they built really isn't 3-foot, 6 from the point of view of the technical delegate because yeah, exactly. you're measuring from the takeoff point. Got it. You're not gonna, if, you're, if you're coming uphill to a fence, the slope of the ground uh, is going to, going to entail that you're going to have to build that fence lower than its maximum allowable height. Got it. Thus, the reason people pay money to experienced course designers because they know this stuff. Absolutely. And your technical delegate 
even though the course designer has built it, again, it's another set of eyes that can look at that course and go, you know what, you know, this is what I measured. It, it, a lot of these fences now are portables, right? So they'll, met, they'll make these fences inside, summer dry in the wintertime, take them out to the course and put them where they want them. And due to the lay of the land, slight rise, it might actually be slightly over height. Oh. And, you know, it happens all the time. And you have to, you know, how are we going to make this jump? jumpable and legal because I always look at it this way as being part of the team. If anyone was to become hurt jumping a cross-country fence, and seriously hurt, let's say, they're going to go and they're going to measure that fence. And you as the technical delegate allowed it. So next to the organizer possibly being sued, the technical delegate, because we allowed that jump, next in line. Oh, serious business. Yeah. Wow. So we have to be very diligent. You know, I, I, I use a six-foot level. I use a tape measure. I'll do repeated uh, measurements if I'm in, in, in any way, shape, or form uh, worried about the height of a jump. And, again, that's why, you know, through the experience, um, you know, we, 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 you get a feel for what, what types of fences will jump well for that level, what types won't. Mm-hmm. Where is the jump situated on the course? Does the course flow? Does it ask the appropriate questions, uh, A-B combinations versus uh, separately numbered fences? Where's the water jump? Where's the, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, especially as, as you get up, up the levels of competition, um, is a technical delegate, is the technical delegate, so it's blue scarf horse trials, does the Blue Scarf Horse Trials ask a technical delegate that is going to be the technical delegate for the Bluegrass Horse Trailers, do they get input from those people before the competition, or is the technical delegate that's listed in the horse show schedule in the omnibus, is that person only required, permitted, um, asked to come to the competition and give them input once the competition is, be- is, is ready to start. In other words, d- is there input to the course designer from the technical delegate during the course design process? Absolutely. absolutely. Oh, really? Didn't uh, know that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because, again, you, we, we very often, after we've measured all the courses, just like I did on the weekend, Saturday was my pre-inspection day, I will go and I'll measure every single fence on course. We've measured the distances between fences. We know what the total distance is. I'll have a wish list. And what I mean by my wish list is, okay, th- these fences need to be secured, let's say, to the ground. Um, this one is too big. How are we going to change the, the top height on this jump? I'm a little worried about the, the takeoff footing on this jump, so can we, can we have a, a look at that? Or uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a corner sighted on the course, and it was a straight downhill approach to a corner. And I thought, again, experience tells you corners, which is the classic cross-country jump, not best approached on a straight downhill. So the course designer waited until I got there and said, Linda, where would you like this corner to go? Well, we use a turn. So they got to come down the hill, they they rode through a turn, and the corner was coming out of the turn. So it it gave them a much safer and a, a better presentation to that corner. Those are the kinds of things that organizers, course designers, will wait for you as a technical delegate. Mm-hmm. Again, I did another one earlier in the year. Again, it was another corner. Didn't have it secured to the ground. Linda, where do you think we should put this corner? It's related to this vertical. We're kind of thinking four or five strides. What do you think? Because they look at you, one year experience, um, looking at all different courses around the country. 
You know what ones, because, again, I have an advantage of having ridden to uh, advanced three-day level. I have an, a, a bit of an advantage, and I know what would ride well, what may not ride well. And how does a young horse think about a jump? How does an older horse think about a jump? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you, you really are an integral bar- part of that, uh, of the team. And, and the team absolutely includes the course designer. So everything before that official co- course walk, and your, your omnibus schedule will show when the official course walk is, you want to have everything pretty much set ready to go. It's safe. It's measured. Uh, it's within all the rules of your, of your federation. The riders absolutely can walk a course, have a concern, and come to the technical delegate and say, you know what, I'm not too sure about this fence. I, I, I just worried about, um, let's say, the presentation. You know, it's got a dip before it or something like that. And then as a technical delegate, you have to hear that competitor and go, you know what, maybe let's go have a look. Let's go have another look at that jump and, and see what we can come up with. So, again, for one, you're the technical delegate and you're there and you've, You've gotten to the point of, okay, now the competition has started. Everything is, is copacetic from the technical delegate's point of view. Um, who is it that comes to the technical delegate and says, okay, the show's already started, but we have a problem here? Is that only competitors, or are there other officials that might come to you as the technical delegate and go, ooh, we have a problem we, we might to deal, have to deal with? Who well, else on your team? The other, the other major part of the team is the ground jury, and the ground jury typically is, is three, three people that also um, are experienced horse people, not necessarily in the sport of eventing. The ground jury is typically the show jumping judge and the dressage judges and or a knowledgeable horse person, um, and they could come to me and say, look, you know, I think this height really, this fence doesn't necessarily fit for the level, and they can pull a jump, and as a technical delegate, I, I agree with what the ground jury says. So the chain of events would be technical delegate comes in and gives everybody a green check mark. Things are ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. But a member of the ground jury, who I guess on the food chain would be further down the le- branches than the technical delegate, would say, um, uh, or not. Or is that the other way okay. around? Well, see, at horse trials, the ground jury with the technical delegate, the course designer, and the committee. They, we all work together to make sure that all the arrangements of, for the events are up to spec and up to the rules. The president of the ground jury or a member of the ground jury has to go around and inspect those cross-country courses before the show starts and the show jumping course. So they, have, they pretty much have the final say insofar as, yes, we like the courses as they are, they're good to go. Okay, okay, so, so the, little, we're, we actually are a level, you know, we're we're a level below the ground jury in authority. They have okay. the authority. Yeah? Okay, and it's so the technical I had that backwards. Yeah, fair enough. A lot of people don't understand the, the role of the ground jury versus the technical delegate. Oh. But, you do, but again, the ground jury doesn't show up typically till the day of, whereas the the technical or uh, the ground jury, I'm sorry, doesn't show up till the day of the show. The technical delegate has been there for a full inspection day, measuring everything. So the technical delegate goes in there and polices everything so that when the jury gets there, things should be pretty well worked out by that time. Yeah, and let me, here's just a quick thing out of the rule book. Until he or she has reported to the ground jury, that means um, 
the technical delegate, that he or she is satisfied with all the arrangements, the authority of the technical delegate is absolute. But the grand jury uh. still needs to approve all the courses. After you put everything in place, everything's been numbered and flagged accordingly, they'll just drive around and I've yet to have a ground jury say, you know, this can't happen this way because, you know, if you've done, I think, your job um, as a technical delegate, and it's not an easy job, but, you know, it's there's a lot of work and teamwork that goes into it. The, the, tech, the ground jury will look to you as a technical delegate for advice and, and guidance. Aha. Uh-huh. So technical, I'm getting my head around this now because, frankly, I was very lucky, never had to deal with a lot of technical delegates because usually when I got eliminated, it was really obvious. <laughs> I didn't have to question anybody. It's like, oh, I screwed up. I got eliminated. Um, technical delegate um, is, has a relationship with the course designer before the show ever happens. He's Absolutely. in on, on some of those decisions. And then just before things are ready to start rocking and rolling, right before the show yep. starts, technical delegate swoops in, makes sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed as far as the facility and the time schedule. And he puts a big green check mark in so that when the ground jury gets there, they can look at what the technical delegate has gone through and say, yep, we agree, or, oh, well, these couple of details still need to be straightened out. And then things can – now, once the show has actually started, does the role of the technical delegate change at that point? Because you can't you – can't, you can't really change the course a whole lot, or you can't move the dressage arena to somewhere else halfway through yeah. the competition. Um, how does the, the role of the technical delegate change once the show has now started? Okay, so once your show starts, okay, so for myself as a technical delegate, on show day, I'm very much uh, time management. The show needs to start on time. We also have to deal with any issues of weather. Did we get a ton of rain the night before? Because then... I could be very busy going around the cross-country and the show jump areas, making sure that all the footing is safe, takeoffs and landings, right? So we can get very busy that way with the course builder. Look, we need to add some stone dust here. or We might need to take out that section of the course because it isn't going to ride well. It's so wet. And we've had to do all that kind of stuff. And the ground jury will pre- pretty well um, just agree with you. So you go up to the ground jury, you apprise them of the situation, you know, the back four fences of this course are all underwater. We can't use them, so we're going to divert people through this way, and, and they'll just go with, with whatever you've decided. So we also have to do the jump judge briefing, typically an hour before the first horse goes out on course. So all those volunteers, those amazing volunteers that sit beside those cross-country jumps all day, we have to instruct them on how do you keep score cross-country. You know, what's the definition of a refusal, a run-out, a quit? Uh, we also talk to them about uh, a fall, if there's ever a fall on course, how are we going to handle that situation. And another job with the TD is I always have a safety plan in place. So, again, this takes place before the start of the show, usually just before or the night before if I've had a safety officer, uh, my organizer, your controller, and I know these are uh, maybe titles that you're not familiar with, Jen, but I want the riders to understand that, you know, they're There is a safety plan in place should we have a rider go down and or a horse go down, that things just don't happen to chance. Like the event I just did on the weekend, I know the safety officer, he's making the 911 call. The controller will take over the radio insofar as if we have a horse and a rider go down, she'll get on the radio to that jump judge. Can you tell me how that rider is? And all the radios go silent, so we just have that two-way communication between the controller 
and the and the jump judge where the uh, the fall was. And if we need another ambulance to come on, then I know the safety coordinator or that controller is making that call, and I know who's going to meet them and take them out on course. So all nothing is left to chance, hopefully. So you you have um, a lot of flow charts in your head at this point. Absolutely, you're absolutely <laughs> right. I, I know when the ring is going, when the ring is quiet. I make sure in between the different levels if there's say cross country fence that needs to be changed. Oh, we're going to add a rail for a higher division or take a rail away. You mm-hmm. want to have a checklist that nothing gets missed, and, and you may only have 20 minutes between divisions, so you've got to have all the score sheets picked up for the last division. Your jump judge has moved. Any changes made to cross-country jumps uh, before that first horse goes out on course for that next division. Okay, so end of chapter review. Before the show starts, you're helping to make sure all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed as far as the technicalities of the rules. Then once the show starts, you're in charge of making sure all of those mental and or literal flow charts as far as making sure the show happens properly. You're making sure that they really are happening because you've assigned things to everybody and you're making sure that when so-and-so is supposed to have access to the radio, they really do. So that's part B of your job, which is getting more and more scary by the minute. I've decided that I don't need that kind of stress in my life. Part C, I guess, would be now... The scores have been created. Yeah. Everybody's done. But before everybody's gotten their ribbons, how does the technical delegate's job morph now that the scores have been created? Everybody is ridden. Because I know that right up to the very last second and you hang the ribbon on the horse's brow band, um, the technical delegate is a very busy person. Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, Jen. We can be. So the technical delegate has to investigate all inquiries regarding scoring, including any penalties that were awarded to a rider and they're not sure why they got it. And again, classic, you'll have a rider come up to you and go, you know what, I did not have a quit at that fence. So as a technical delegate, you take down their number, the division, and say, you know what, great, no problems. I'm going to go check the cross-country jump judge sheet. And in my briefing, I would have said to all my jump judges, guys, do me a favor, write me a book. Tell me how that horse refused. <laughs> Did they stop, circle to the left? Give me the color of that horse. And, you know, there's a different rule for if the fences don't have a certain height, like your ditches and your banks down. They can actually hesitate at the edge, but they can't step backwards with one foot. So if that's what they did, I need you to tell me that. Write that down. Or step back three steps. Because in the heat of the moment, that rider, I guarantee you, will not know if that horse steps backwards. Yeah, that's a Technical. tough one. Yeah. Technical. You know, I've had so many people say to me in the show jump over the years. I've been a CD for a long time. But I didn't have a quit in the ring. And what you'll do is you'll go to the show jump judge's uh, score sheet, and what they did is they had a technical because they circled and crossed their tracks. Oh, yeah. That's a killer so, in stadium jumping, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and again... You know, this actually brings me to a a bit of another point, Jen, and it it really is, it behooves every rider out there that competes. You go and you read your rule book, and if you're not sure on a ruling, take it to your coach and say, what does this rule mean? Right, because sometimes sometimes it has to be written in that um, lawyer speak, because it has to cover a lot, but you're right, once you read it in text, you go, really? I just read that sentence with 179 characters i have no idea what it just said <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly but 
you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't work to come up to the TV and say, look, I didn't know what the rule was. Well, that's not really my problem. You need yeah, to know that, what the rules yeah. are. If you're going to compete at the sport, you need to know the rules. And there's and then, a lot you know, of them. The other things we're, we're very much aware of is any kind of abuse. There's zero tolerance for any kind of abuse. That's excessive use of the whip, the spurs, the bit. Um, there's a big movement on the, da- the warning card system, the dangerous riding, and what entails dangerous riding, too fast, too slow, stringing together a bunch of fences that didn't ride well. And those decisions uh, draw the ground jury in. The TV, you know, will notify... Um, the ground jury, what happened out on course, it'll be documented, there will be witness statements. And I really would like the riders to appreciate that this isn't a knee-jerk reaction. Um, this, there's a lot of thought that goes into handing out those kinds of warning cards to dangerous riding. Mm-hmm. So, and I had to talk to a rider. It was their friendly warning, um, but your cross-country technique, you know, is fast. It's too fast. It's too fast. It's, it's frenetic. You're leaving strides out. Um, even though, you know, the horse is quote-unquote balanced, it's a more experienced rider, but, you know, this horse is not jumping confidently, it's jumping scared. So the, ju- the jumper judge brought it to my attention as well, and so they've had their friendly warning, and it will sh- go out to the other officials, and they can be aware of, of that person at the next show, because really, we, we're there, you know, to, to monitor the safety of, of the rider and absolutely of the horse. Mm-hmm. Right, because the more and more we want more people to to join the various and sundry horse sports, including eventing. But as you gather more numbers, two percent of a hundred people and two percent of ten thousand people are two different things. So we have to help people who are coming into that sport and maybe have been at the sport for a while. Go, hey, he, here's the rules. We we need to make sure we follow these. There's a lot more of us now. There's a lot more at risk. Yeah, exactly, John. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've been doing it uh, to kind of wrap this up. You've been a technical delegate for some time now. You're not new to this. No. Are there areas that you've seen in the past 10 years that the technical delegate's job has changed significantly? Or is it pretty much the same job and just more of it? Nah. You know, I guess I think we've seen a little bit of change. And, uh, again, you know, I started the sport in, in the late 70s, and I've been a technical delegate for at least 15 years. I think we have noticed a bit of change in the whole cross-country style. And to quote Mark Phillips, you know, about his leaf pit at Burley, I was really taken aback to see how many people cantered or did, you know, a bit more than just a, a quote-unquote coffin canter to the lip of that leaf pit. They just, you know, that's a big drop down. And we were taught back then, you know, by Lucinda's and, and the Mark Todd's and the Peter Gray's of the world, you trot to that lift. You let your horse have a look at what they're looking at before they drop down. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we're losing a little bit of the classic technique. And mm-hmm. the whole concept of, you know, there's a prep zone before a jump. You really need to be clear on balancing your horse and getting him best prepared for the jump in question. Um, now, maybe it's a, a, a regional thing. Maybe it's, uh, I, I'm up here in Canada teething. Maybe it's a bit different, you know, the numbers mm-hmm. in the states that you see. But I, I would like to see just more attention brought back to the details of cross-country riding. You know, there's a coffin canter, and ditches get jumped a certain way. Banks up get 
jumped a certain way. I've seen too many riders leave the start box in a two-point position and don't come out of that position until they cross the finish line. <laughs> your, horse, your horse has, and it's, again, this was at an event not too long ago, your horse has no idea what the distance is between combinations. By your approach, you're going to let him know. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, again, this is a, a just a personal observation, but Mar- um, Captain Mark Phillips, in his radio interview after cross country on on uh, for Burley, he he actually said the most disappointing thing for him was how people wrote that uh, that leaf pit. Hmm. Interesting. Well, now I'm going to have to go look up the leaf pit and wa- and and watch the video of it. Yeah, <laughs> now you got me yeah, curious. It was interesting yeah. to watch it, but you know, just that would be the big thing. Um, you know, all in all, I don't see if any certain rule broken all the time or, um, you know, other big concerns like that. You know, I, I, I can't say I'm, I'm giving out, uh, you know, more talks or more uh, warnings about anything, but just maybe a difference, difference in, in preparation, shall we say. I think I have definitely noticed a difference in rider preparation. Hmm. That's very interesting. Once again... I've just learned a ton of stuff, and I have a an entire page of scribbly notes because I'm a note taker all about uh, the technical delegate's job. That's fascinating stuff. And thanks for stopping by, Linda. We appreciate it so much. Well, thanks again, Jen, for, for asking me to join your, your fabulous radio show. And, folks, you can, uh, you can check out Linda's website at www.spur, like the thing to put on your heel, suader, as in convince, Spursuader.com has a great product over there called Spursuaders that I wear regularly, and you can keep keep a track of uh, what Linda's up to. See you next time. To listen to all of Linda's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the Experts drop-down menu on the left. All of our experts are there, alphabetized and easy to find. You can also go to Linda's website at www.tapestryequine.ca. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover. You can subscribe to all of the great shows of the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zoom and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zoom, or MP3 player. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.